0: August, the time has finally come. The doors of our new outdoor classrooms website have opened, which also includes the new Circle Membership Hub. I'm so excited to start helping all our new members access the resources they need to cultivate and grow an enriching outdoor. Classroom. If you're a teacher, parent, homeschooler, after-school provider, early childhood educator, student, and/or administrator trying to create a successful outdoor classroom, then you are going to want to check this out. So first, I want you to check out our new website. It is gorgeous. You can find it at www.outdoor-classrooms-with-an-s. Dot com. Secondly, I want you to check out on the new website information about our Circle Membership community. We are celebrating the new website with a huge sale, and that's the best news. We're celebrating big. So all this month, we have members from our community that are sharing their reflections and what their experience has been like being a member and how it has helped them with support, with accessing resources, with feeling connected to a community. So we're going to be showcasing those interviews on Thursdays. And if you sign up now for the membership, it's not only then, you not only get the best price of the membership that it will ever be, but you will also be able to access all our resources housed in the Circle Membership Hub. Furthermore, all Circle members get access to the process of creating a successful outdoor classroom one step at a time no matter which stage you are at in the journey simply follow the steps to the plan and create and grow your outdoor classroom with ease I am absolutely thrilled to be sharing the insights and reflections from our members and I hope that that will help you decide if you want to join our ever-growing circle without further ado let's get started Today we are talking with Linda Schultz Bouchard who began her career at the nonprofit organization Shed Children's Campus in 1992. She grew from her original role as school-age coordinator to school-age director and then to her current role as executive director. Linda has worked alongside her staff to grow this organization from a grassroots program to a thriving campus that serves over 400 families. Linda's experience at the Massachusetts Liberal Arts College where she received a sociology degree, gave her the foundation and skills for her life's work of developing best practices for children and families. Her curiosity about the needs of children and families inspired conversations with her teammates to further programming at Shedd's Children's Campus. The foundational pillars of the Reggio Emilia philosophy, mindfulness, organic gardening, community and nature are a living and breathing force at shed linda has an amazing passion for life she loves to play and dream big linda brings her passion and playful spirit to her leadership role at shed she encourages her staff to continue learning and growing linda invites her staff to question the world around them to challenge the status quo to breathe deep to play in the great outdoors, to fill themselves with health, and to reach out to others to form strong, meaningful connections. Shed's foundational pillars are alive inside Linda. Linda lives a life of gratitude, and she feels blessed to be a part of an organization that spreads out the rippling effects of goodness to its staff and children and families. Hello, everybody. We are here with another Outdoor Classrooms Tour and Talk with Linda from the Shed Children's Campus. Welcome, Linda. Oh, so good to be here,
1: Victoria. Thank
0: you. There is so... We have known each other for for years now, and I'm absolutely thrilled that you're here on the podcast and showcasing all the growth that's happened over the years. So let's get started. Absolutely. Can you just tell us about yourself and peek into how you came into the role of being the Executive Director of the Shed sure. Children's
1: Campus. That's great. It's been a long time. Um, <laughs> I have been working with children um, over, I would say, over thirty-five years now. And when um, I first joined Shed, the mission or the goal of my position was to help grow the after-school program. And we were at the Shoshen um, School in Andover, Mass. And at that time, we had thirty-six um, school-age children, and to help grow that program. From that time, we've gone from a small extended uh, after-school program for kindergarten. That's where the um, name Shed came from because it was Shasheen Extended Day. That's where Shed, Shasheen Extended Day for kindergartners. For the working families back in the, it was really in the late 80s, early 90s. And so from that point, we have been growing throughout the years. I became the executive director um, back in 2011, which is um, the picture here that you see in front of you is basically was our school age uh, facility um, for all school age programs children. Today, after the pandemic and all I'm going to say after um, it's now primarily holding a lot of our services, our springboard to kindergarten program and our preschool program along with our after school program so um, we have grown we um, service about 350 children here in Andover, Mass and all the surrounding community so anywhere from infant um, workshops and programming to now doing preschool, uh, pre-K, uh, forest kindergarten, and um, then the school age. So we are we have grown and expanded throughout the thirty plus years that I've been here.
0: That's amazing. It's it's incredible, and to think again the the movement that you have created in terms of moving outdoors a lot of what you are, are doing. And uh, so what challenges uh, we were talking earlier, just in terms of just the pandemic and all the challenges, but even over the growth of the years, what challenges have you faced and how have you as the executive director pivoted to use these challenges as opportunities?
1: Such a great question. And I, you know, and I think the freshest that have been, that has been, I think, energetically was definitely the pandemic because, you know, that closure, you know, in March, when the uh, governor, uh, Governor Baker, closed everyone down, and we as uh, a community, it was almost like, "What's next?" Though during that time was probably on the hour, every hour with my board of directors, um, and then also my team, because it was a pretty scary time. It was like, "What does this all mean?" And, and then, how can we still? How can we still be? Uh, connected with our community and how would that know what does that then look like Uh, so we went right on to the internet we did lots of Facebook live um, classes and science uh, science classes reading out loud to our children connecting also uh, offering Zoom um, meetings and all so we really I also had teachers who went um, out and left packages for the kids like little uh, work projects and things that they could be doing at home so we really went into another gear of really looking at how do we how do we do community and and what it looks different you know and how does that then look like we also had um, some teachers um, that worked on our campus all during the pandemic so not able to open, but they felt like this was a great healing opportunity for them to work on like little projects and to be a part of our campus to making sure it still was a vibrant place for people who wanted to come here and have some respite from their homes and all. So that was one of the pieces that we were really looking at. The other piece that we were so fascinated with was our families needed taught like younger children. So we didn't not have toddler programming pre-pandemic and when we were ready to open we started to open up um, to uh, our to offering toddler programs so one of the other opportunities that we saw during the pandemic was where our teaching staff really looked at what did they want to become certified in and what, what other areas did they want to see growth in their own life, and their own profession? So a lot of my teaching staff, we, we actually did a, a really nice job of recording of all the growth and education that our educators then did during the pandemic. So when we had the permission to open up at the end of June, we were able to be ready with a stronger, in a sense, uh, with, with their education. In, in certifications that they actually went through during the, that time. Incredible.
0: For those that are listening, we are. this is another Outdoor Classrooms tour and talk. And so Linda and I are actually looking at amazing, beautiful photos of their program. And so we're going to be sort of talking about those as well. If you would like to see these incredible, these are part of our membership community. So come on into our circle community and they we have a whole host of these Outdoor Classrooms tour and talk. So if you hear us talking about amazing photos, that's what's happening. Again, this photo is is a lot of risky play. We have two boys, I think, that are climbing up on big branches that are tied together with some rope and very beautiful risk risk play.
1: Absolutely. And that, I mean, that's where the growth in the juiciness of the learning comes about, you know, where our children really get to assess and take a look at is this doable can i yeah. do this and how do i and then also a big part of the learning how do i if they're not able to then how do i get there and, and how do i approach that so that's where our educators definitely help um our children out it's just um it, it's the, the curiosity i love the photos look
0: at <laughs> So great! <laughs> so this is a big photo of kids just uh, happily playing in leaves and throwing them up in the air. And my question is, what inspires you, and and how do you inspire your staff? You-
1: oh gosh, um, you know what is really. And you know that's interesting. What inspires me, and because that's going to be our theme this coming year. Um, oh. What you know is it, actually we, as administrators, have been really talking about in our direction is what inspires us, and um, really being curious. Like what feeds? I often say, what feeds your soul? Like mm-hmm. we work with children, and we've been doing it for such a long time, but every day, in every moment a new moment so I believe what inspires me is really being in the moment and just you know even this morning um, what inspires me is taking those moments and treasuring those moments this morning as I uh, arrived um, there was a group of kids we have wheels day and they were going around riding their bikes and scooters and I sat under our porch on a rocking chair and just chatting with another child like what mm-hmm. you know favorite parts of their day and I think if we Listen carefully. I think that's the true essence of being with children is really just sitting and, you know, what inspires them? And then how can can we then support that in their learnings? Again, we're back at another
0: great picture. (laughs) I love your photos of a a little guy under sort of a teepee made of of huge branches and sticks and you have an incredible infrastructure of your program so can you just give us a description of that
1: yes it's so beautiful so we are located on the lower part of phillips academy campus in andover mass it once housed it was called the abbott academy which was an all-girls school so before they merged with phillips academy back i believe it's in 1973 That is the campus and The campus, I would have to say, is energetically holds the space for curiosity, Mm -hmm. learning, and the outdoors. And that's another thing that does come up. When people walk on our campus, our name used to be Shed Incorporated. Back in 2012, we renamed it and rebranded it as Shed Children's Campus because it is the children's Mm -hmm. campus. And it is... We live and breathe that children's campus. The moment you drive onto our campus, we're on over two acres of land. We utilize every nook and cranny, but we're also very close to town. So we also, we often look at the modeling is it's a ripple effect. You know, with our youngest children, it's within their classroom, in their outdoor space. And as they get older, that ripple ripples out into the larger community even more so so our children um that's the one thing we do notice when they bring their children uh, they bring their parents or even grandparents on campus they are so proud of all their spaces that they go mm-hmm. to and they explore anywhere from there's a stick village there is uh, forts out back that they've been building and creating it's really allowing that open space and as you can see here that's probably an open space that they then started creating Mm -hmm. and 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 even if you're looking at the sticks and how they're lying and laying you know um that they they probably did a lot of problem solving to figure Mm -hmm. out how to then create that space
0: yeah can't wait to look at more pictures (laughs) So you have uh, five foundations of learning at Shed. Can you describe them? And we'll probably describe them throughout, but as we look at more pictures, but this picture is of uh, your uh, kids in a vegetable garden.
1: Yes, absolutely. So we have over, I believe we right now have 18 organic garden beds. And that all was created um, starting back in 2012. Um, we had one little raised bed and that the children wanted to garden. And it really, again, it's watching and observing our children. And when we watched and listened, it was watching one child who basically tore off a um, broccoli spear and was eating a raw spoon broccoli spare and he was so proud that he planted this plant and then he was eating it and that was something in a discussion with our educators that really to support our children with the gardening so it really created we have many garden beds for them to explore and and all yeah there's another one so (laughs) Right there, that's another garden bed they're working on. So they're developing um, sections of that garden. And we're always reimagining our spaces. So they never seem to just be one. It doesn't, uh, this was originally a pumpkin patch. So the original place and space for that was the pumpkin patch. That lasted a few years. But then what was happening was we, we, at that time there was um, a disease that was kind of attacking our pumpkin and then after doing some research they were like no we need to kind of move away from the pumpkins a little bit and then it became a very a very detailed garden that has lots of raspberries in it and other potatoes they were growing also mm-hmm. so they reimagined it and also because we're outdoors in nature all of our classrooms were outdoors all the time you will hear in many other places and spaces where it's like a little bit of time outdoors and and all we are always prepared to be outdoors there's never a bad weather day it's always making sure we're ready if you look in our hallways i don't know if there's a picture uh, we have rows and rows of um, rain boots so winter boots so we go out all the time and we embrace the outdoors whether it's rainy It's cold, uh, snowy, and as you can see, here we are in the rain (laughs) and um, puddles everywhere. Our children love the puddles.
0: Yeah, they're great. So you have a unique program where you actually send your staff over to Italy to visit the Reggio Emilia program. Can you tell us about that? Because that is... I want to jump absolutely. in someone's suitcase and join you.
1: Yes, you you need to. We're we're returning this year, 2023. I, absolutely. So we, you know, when we were back in 2011, 2012, when I became the executive director, we really started to examining who we are and what's important for us. And we really meet every child where they are at. And what we kept on returning to was the Reggio Emilia philosophy because we embrace it so much we, because it's naturally who we are, you know, examining our children How can we support their learning? How can we document? And at that time, we were locally sending everyone, all of the team members to observe and bring back and do training internally about what we saw in some of the other schools. It was probably around two thousand. 14 or even 13 that I was at one of the schools. And after that school, I was reflecting on my ride home where I'm like, wait a minute, I'm sending everyone out there to interpret someone else's interpretation. It kind of felt like a telephone, the telephone chain. I think that's uh, a game that we used to play as children. And I'm like, all right. So that was interesting for me because I'm like, if we're interpreting other people's interpretations, what does that what does that then mean for us? Yeah. So I had gone to the board members and I said, listen, if we're going to really embrace the Reggio Amelia philosophy and really be a leader in this, we need to start sending our educators and leadership over to the source and having them really interpret right from Reggio Amelia. Wow. So from that, it, which was incredible. And we have an incredible. We have a um, a ten member board, and they they got it right away. They were like, "Yeah." We, we do want this. We do want to commit to this. So at that point, they just, we, you know, I needed to sharpen my pencil a little bit uh, as the executive <laughs> director um, right. and really seeing how that could be possible. So, and that, and then that was the following year that uh, we sent uh, four members. We sent um, mm. two leadership and two educators over. So and is there a
0: program been, when they get there? Is
1: there a whole... Oh cool. Yes, yes. So we there was a whole international program that we participate with. So they are with the leadership of Raju Amelia and at the school. And then we are a part of a group that there uh, is day in and it's day and evenings. It is it's an intensive week and it is so beautiful. We also eat our way through it also because <laughs> the food is fabulous. (laughs) So we have just felt so blessed to be a part of it. Um, So we, again, the, the programming starts again this year. And I'm very fortunate. I am one of the leadership members that will be going again this year. So oh, great.
0: that sounds wonderful. You do a lot of yoga, which we've talked about before. Yes. And sometimes the kids mistaken you as the yoga teacher. Yes. It. So I just threw this picture in here just to showcase the, the mindfulness that you really bring to your program. We
1: do. That is the other, you know, that is another pillar where it's just, really teaching our children to take a moment to breathe you know and even as adults like we need these moments to take a breath and breathe and we have all the tools we have all the tools Mm -hmm. and it's just a beautiful reminder of just breath is so important and also observation you know and what do they observe what do they feel because a lot of times that's the other place in space It's like, what are you feeling right here and right now? So it's just beautiful. And during, you know, when we did return back from the pandemic, we because we had such restrictions on how much time a person could be in a classroom and all, that would be my 15 minutes to give a teacher a break that I would go in and at least have some fun with breath and movement.
0: And that was my little 15 minutes going into the classrooms. I love it. So with the picture we're looking at, for those that are listening, are they're all on their purple mats doing a yoga move. And it's, they're all smiling and giggling and having a wonderful time, which is you can just feel it. So we're back into winter, just some incredible pictures of children making a snowman, snow person, and looking up at the trees and with binoculars, and just it's joyous.
1: It really is. And then wintertime is so much fun. Our winters, we bring out the sleds, we bring out our snowboards. For many children, it's the first time being on a snowboard. I have that. And, webinar. yeah, you can see it right there. And uh, it, that's the inspiration that they get to practice with us, and then they, on the weekends, they're 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 asking their parents, "I want to do this." <laughs> so then they, you know, then they get to explore their winter sports. So we yeah. really embrace. The winter, you know, a lot of times in New England, for some reason, you will hear people go, oh, you know, complain about the snow. Around here, our children and in, in staff, they embrace it. When that first snowflake comes down, they are doing a happy dance. Yeah. So we also have snowshoes and cross-country skis. Yeah, I'm not too sure if they're there in these pictures, yeah. but that's the other. So being a part of this campus, again, we're on over two acres of land and then some because there's also the land that we do get to use here. So it's really teaching our children you know embracing the snow and um, what fun we could be having outdoors
0: that's beautiful and then we this slide we you have two two right two new yurts on your campus which is so exciting and they're not all for children. No. So can so, you tell us?
1: Yes, absolutely. So our first year was built for our forest kindergarten program, and that was built actually um during the pandemic. So I... I believe that um, was the year 2020 to 2021. So that's where our children, our outdoor um, classroom and our Forest K group, they house themselves out of the yurt that we have. The yurt that you see in the picture right here as you're watching the children uh, sledding from there, that is the adult yurt that is something that was just built this year and it is right now getting ready for our fall and our fall programs we have identified that to be for our adults and our educators um, the one thing we did notice during the pandemic our staff did not have a place and space to be to call respite for them to take a breath and mm. for them to be for them to receive some self-care themselves so that that year was an inspiration. It first started with our teaching staff. I was watching and observing. Our teachers were heading to their cars for their break, you know, and in place and space. And that was um, the uh, initial. You know they they need a place and space for respite. So that year will be used during the daytime for our teachers, whether they're planning or just need, because it's surrounded by woods, the Ur, even though we're in locally in the town of Andover, when you're in the yurts, you feel like you're in the White Mountains somewhere. It just, because of the trees and the surroundings, it's just very peaceful. So the Europe the will be used for our teaching staff and then during the evenings and weekends we're looking at parent programming that was the other uh, we've identified our parents especially coming through the pandemic it was very isolating and they didn't have community or groups to be a part of so we are planning in the fall is to start having parent programming or even a place and space for our parents just to come to and maybe it may be a yoga class it may be a, a a healing of some sort but just uh, a place for them to be and to have a place to go to
0: beautiful i love it it's just again if you are a circle member you're going to be enjoying these incredible pictures and we got our little skiers so again i don't think i even have to ask this question but what makes shed unique from other programs i think you pretty much spelled that out but it's anything yeah. else you want to add
1: i i would say you know what we truly listen to our children to our families and to our educators where what what the energetically like where where do we want to be and also you know i'm super excited about this year's theme of you know, what inspires us? Because mm. I think with inspiration, that will that's open and expansive. And I would often, especially during the times of the pandemic, I often was doing a, a funnel. If it's at the top, it's open and expansive for growth. If it starts coiling down, it gets tighter and it doesn't move as much. And we're always like, am I feeling open at the top of a funnel, you know, that Mm. it's open and expansive. So I would say that what makes us so unique is that we're always evolving. We're not always like, oh, this is how we are. or This is how it was, because I can honestly say we are not the same program that we that I started in 30 one years ago you know it is really it's just been growing in it's been growing and expanding for our community and our children because we're always evolving and how can we make these adjustments as we go
0: along yeah really learning how to pivot but listening is such a key such a key word so again this picture we are looking at lovely kids uh looking at a creek or yeah and uh, so is there, again, we're coming down to the end here. Is there anything else you'd like to share that we haven't touched upon?
1: I would say is, I mean, because this is outdoors and nature, it's really, is like that, that's really the healing properties. And we really embrace it even more so. And to take those moments with the children and also not to interrupt their learning. Yeah. If we as educators can just really sit back and really listen, that's that's something we practice a lot and every day and and even how can we stay in silence and stillness with them and really observe and how much we can
0: learn as educators to help them ah uh, these children are so fortunate to have you and the and your your staff is just so fortunate to have someone leading them that is really speaks this healing Breath, listening, uh, language, and I, I, I'm sure that folks that are listening can take some seeds of in- inspiration from this conversation because you you have a lot to share. And I, I hope that if anybody is around, I'm going to invite them to your program. But uh, it's it's an incredible, if not anything, if you can't make it there. I hope you can come see this, at least the pictures, because it's, it's, you do have an incredible campus and I'm sure many, many staff that are very, and children that are very lucky to be on it and using it. I want to thank you, Linda, for joining us today and we will talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here at the Outdoor Classrooms podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with anybody who you think would enjoy it and follow us on Instagram. We'd love to continue the conversation. If you want to continue the conversation even deeper, please join us in the Circle community. The purpose of the Circle is to support, guide, and push you as you continually grow and sustain your outdoor classroom by providing the tools to help you set the right goals, then actually follow through in achieving those goals with the support our, of our amazing community. Each month, 24 seven, you get guidance and support from myself. You get to begin your journey with our new member roadmap. You get access to our outdoor teaching bootcamp. You get to interact and learn from guest experts who are on our podcast. They come into our membership and join us to continue the conversations. You get to connect and collaborate during two live sessions a month you get access to all our online workshops and master classes you get get to dig deeper with our membership missions each month and you get to become an ambassador of joy for children i hope you can join us at outdoor classroom i will share the link in the show notes and we'll see you later come join us